Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you for the anointing, Lord God. Hallelujah. You are my strength. Strength like no other. Strength like no other. Reach out. You are my strength. 
Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be your holy name, O God. Blessed be your holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for the fire of your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to admonish my brothers and sisters, whether you're in the sanctuary or whether you're watching online, if you're experiencing the anointing or the fire that we're experiencing here right now, just reach out and get whatever you need from God this morning. We didn't come for a formal fashion. We did not come to see who would be here or who wouldn't be here. But we come to get from the Lord today and to give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. So reach out and receive your blessing today. We want to thank God for the opportunity of being here this morning. Thank God for his loving kindness and for his tender mercies. How many can, can you attest? Of you can attest to the fact that God has been better to you than you've been to yourself. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. We want to give honor to Bishop Jackson this morning in his absence to our First Lady, all of our elders, our ministers, all of whom honor is due in you, the people of God. We want to, uh, this morning we will come from the text or the, the, uh, the uh, topic that we will be talking on this morning or the title of the sermon, is the new life, new mindset, the key to victorious Christian living. So that was a subtopic. I mean a subtitle, I'm sorry. I'm saying topic, I'm so used to writing. Um, but listen to this. So I want to uh, uh, use for a text this morning. I'm just starting here, and we're going to go other places as well. But in the 12th chapter of Romans, starting at verse 1, I only read about two or three passages here. So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, and, be, and, and that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let us pray. Father God, it's in Jesus' name that we come this morning. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you, Father God, that you have uh, graced us with manifesting your glory here this morning. We ask in Jesus' name that you would not allow us to do anything this morning, oh God, that would hinder the flow of your spirit in this house. Have your way. Be glorified. Hallelujah. We pray, Father God, that this word will go forth and that it would accomplish what you please and prosper in the place where you send it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Again, we just thank God. You may be seated in the presence of God. Uh, new life, new mindset, the key to victorious living. Just uh, give you a little background here before I get started. Uh, I've been, uh, uh, I have a little time out of school, and so been looking at a different, uh, uh, you know, videos of people uh, that attack the Christian faith from, from various uh, places, and uh, they have different, uh, you know, reasons as to why they say that Jesus is not God and why they say that the whole Christian walk is just not true. And uh, that's saying it lightly. <laughs> but, uh, and the reason I listen to them because in order to refute anything that someone is saying, you got to first know what they're saying. 
you know, and uh, uh, you have to uh, realize or follow the weakness in their argument to be able to refute them. How many of you know the time has come that we are going to have to defend our faith against a lot of different ideologies out there? It's more than just the Muslim. It's more than just the Jehovah's Witness and others, uh, the Mormons. It's others uh, that uh, got different uh, reasons as to why they reject uh, our Bible, actually, and they reject our God. But I want to, uh, one thing that caught my attention is the attack on the Apostle Paul. I had to do a study on the, uh, the, the, um, the new uh, perspective of Paul which was irritating in and of itself, but I had to do it. Uh, and uh, they got various views and things of this sort. And there's some very prominent teachers that believe that, new perspective on Paul. And uh, there was other people I've heard attack the Apostle Paul. And I said, why are they attacking Paul? And uh, I think I understand the reason why. In recent times, the Apostle Paul's epistle had in doctrine concerning the salvation of the Gentiles through the finished work of Jesus Christ has come under attack by the various teachers of non-Christian faith. A lot of them, they say that they, 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 they might not say they're Christian, but they believe in Jesus, you know. They just don't believe he's the son of God. I was talking to James on the way to church and telling him you have to be careful, people, of saying that. Peter made mention of Paul's writings in the third chapter of his second epistle, admonishing his readers that Paul... Um, in his writings, bore witness to the fact that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. In other words, people say, "Where is the Lord coming? He ain't came yet." You know, but Peter said, "That is salvation. That is for you to get saved, and if you are saved, for you to develop, be developed in the things of God." You know, so let's count it salvation. Let's not count it slackness. You know, people want to say he ain't coming back. You know. Uh, but then when you start asking them to explain various things about nature, they can't do it. They'll say it just popped up out of nowhere, uh, which don't make sense. Uh, but, how, you know, uh, however, he acknowledged that some of Paul's doctrines was difficult to be understood. And it is. Peter and them did not talk about the resurrection. <laughs> they did not talk about uh, uh, actually, you know, how justification by faith works. They did not talk about that. That was the apostle Paul. Why Paul? Because he was the apostle to the Gentiles, and we had more issues than the Jews had. Y'all do realize that, right? The Gentiles had a lot of issues going on. And so God had to give the apostle Paul revelation to the Gentiles, where if you take away the apostle Paul, all you got is the, is the, 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 the uh, ministry to the Jews. And so you put us back under law. You understand? You put us on the law. And that's what they try to do. They try to get rid of Paul and say, yeah, get, you have to keep, keep the uh, Ten Commandments not understanding what they're saying, as Paul said. They don't understand what they're saying. Okay, uh, the question to be asked is why they are seeking to destroy Paul's doctrine. Why are they deliberately seeking to take apart his teaching? Well, for one, he is the apostle of the Gentiles. He's saying, given the gospel by which the Gentile nations should live and serve God in an acceptable way. Now, one of the main focuses of this message, of his message was that the Gentiles did not have to keep the law to be justified, but are justified through the finished work of God in Christ Jesus. You think about it, saints. If the gospel was to go all over the world, and it is to go all over the world, how could everybody become Jewish? 
that would have been boring, uh, to say the least. But God wanted uh, every nation to express themselves, but uh, in the ways of God. Every nation got a different way of expressing themselves. We as Africans that came to America, <laughs> we have a way that we have developed even here in the way we express ourselves. There are certain things we do as a culture that's unlike other cultures. And God meant for that to happen. Do you think only one culture could give God the glory that's due him? No wonder God allowed different cultures because it takes different cultures to glorify God, just like it takes different stars. There's not a star that, that, that's the same. There's not a snowflake that's the same. Hallelujah. So there are various cultures, and so the God gave the Apostle Paul the ministry to the Gentiles. What, uh, I, what I want to do this morning is to show the case that Paul made for the victorious life of the believer. Not just that we get saved. We thank God for that. But he gave a case, he made a case for the victorious living of the Christian. We should not be living a, a defeated life. You know, uh, God saved us and he, he made us victorious in Christ Jesus, but he wants us to be victorious in real time. Right now, we ought to be victorious. When we go to the store, we ought to be victorious. When we go visit our friends, we ought to be victorious. Now, he made the case in many of his epistles, mainly the letter uh, his doctrinal letters, which is Romans and Galatians. I want to follow the compositional, and I'll tell you what I mean by that, message intended by the scribes who put the New Testament together. Why did I say that? Romans, Paul wrote at least 13 epistles that we have in the New Testament. Romans is like in the middle of those epistles, right? I think the, the first one might have been to the Galatians, and then he wrote to first and second uh, 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 Corinthians and whatnot. Well, why is Roman the first epistle? Well, somebody who was putting the canon together understood the redemptive message. They also understood that Romans is the basic doctrines that we must believe as believers to be able to get into the rest of them. Just like they say Psalms 1 is the entrance into the Psalms. Proverbs say wisdom is the entrance into the Proverbs. That was not done haphazardly. It was done with a purpose. Romans were put in the places put in with a purpose, right? Why Rome? At least the fifth letter written in the 13th, I just said, uh, it was written after Ephesians. Well, actually, there were three congregational letters, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and it is believed was written after the letter from Rome. Now, how do you know? Because Paul said he was writing from Rome. More than likely, if he was writing from Rome, he was in prison, right? Then he wrote the, the, the uh, pastoral letters to Timothy and Titus, right? He, uh, he, he, he uh, got to know, uh, uh, um, what is his name, uh, uh, Philemon. I think it was Philemon, uh, or the, the, the guy that was running from his, his master. And he wrote a letter, you know, to send this guy back. Okay, he was in Roman captivity, whether he was behind, you know, in a cell or whether he was in a house, but he was under Roman captivity. Now, 
the letters written before the letter of Romans was, was Galatians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and 1 and 2 Corinthians. But the scribes responsible for organizing the New Testament did not, uh, did not do it, as you said, did not put it in the order that it's in haphazardly, but it was very, uh, a very intentional process. Among the epistles, they placed the letter to the Romans first. Why? Paul, in this epistle, not only laid out the case for Christ, but he laid out the case for the victorious Christian living. Before taking, uh, 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 taking a look, a closer look at the doctrines revealed in Rome, and I'm not going to go through the whole epistle. I don't have time. Hallelujah. Uh, I want to provide a little history of what scholars believe was happening in Rome, in the Roman church when Paul wrote. The Roman historian uh, Suetonius wrote that the Jews were expelled by the Emperor Claudius for, uh, because of their constant disturbance among the Judaizers, they believe, and the Christians. They just kept, they just kept up something all the time. So Claudius said, I'll let you get out. <laughs> Actually, the Christian, it was really the Jews that he expelled. Listen to this. Nevertheless, Claudius was fed up with the bickering, and he decreed that they should be expelled from Rome. This decree stayed in effect until Claudius died, and Nero came to power. Nero uh, got rid of the decree. They came back. But during this expulsion, the church at Rome continued functioning, but the Gentiles needed to reorganize. Needless to say, the positions that the Jewish believers held were taken over by the Gentiles. Okay? Um, it is not far-fetched to believe that some of the Gentiles may have believed in what is known today as replacement theology. Paul had, if you read the epistles, you will see that may have been the case. Paul had never visited the church at Rome and wrote a letter before his arrival. He thought he would just go there, you know, to, 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 to preach and whatever, but he ended up going there in captivity, but he made it to Rome. Undoubtedly, from his position as an apostle to the Gentiles, his anointing, unlike any other apostles, he, he, uh, Paul uh, had the ability to speak to both Jew and Gentile as to the promise of God in Christ for all humanity. Think about it. Now, people just, you know, when they listen to Paul, I hear people say, Paul lost his mind and all this crazy stuff. <laughs> this man was a Pharisee. A Pharisee of Pharisees. He was such Pharisee that uh, he got saved. He met Christ on the road to Damascus going to find Christians to take him and put him in prison. Now, can you get any more Pharisee than that? He was a Pharisee. But Jesus met this man on the road to Damascus, and he said that he is a chosen vessel unto me. That was not done haphazardly. Paul said Jesus uh, separated him. God separated him from his mother's womb. So all that training he got, it was for a purpose. It was for a purpose. But then, not only did he sit at the feet of some of the greatest teachers, and one is named Gamaliel. He sat at his feet and he learned, learned a lot. Very astute when it comes to the scriptures. But Jesus took him to school. He said he went to the backside of the desert of Arabia. Same school Moses went to, school of hard knocks. He went to that school and the Lord gave him revelation. Hallelujah. 
He began to get revelation when the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, well Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm just, let me put my spin on it. Well, Lord, I'm not persecuting you. I was uh, putting the Christians here. Yeah, but that's me. That's how Paul gets to understanding. I guarantee that's part of the reason why he got to understand the fact that the, the body, the Christians are the body of Christ. Because he's connected to the Christians. This is, Peter didn't have the revelation. Paul, Peter even said, I just read to you, that some of Paul's teaching was hard to be understood. It was revelation. Nobody talked about for the Lord should descend from heaven with the shout and with the with angel, with, with the shout of an angel, with the voice of, of the archangel, right? And the dead in Christ, nobody talked about that. Nobody uh, uh, gave that revelation. Now, it may have been some, some Jewish teachings earlier that probably was close to that, but not the way the Lord had given it to the Apostle Paul. Paul began to uh, again laying out his main purpose for the letter with the thesis statement in Romans 1.16. The thesis. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just should live by faith. Let me tell you something. Let me just, this is just a footnote here. Uh, something I found out I was studying this week because I started to, I thought the Lord was leading me in another direction, and I started studying, and I realized, don't you know faith is only mentioned twice in the Old Testament? One is in the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy. When God said that the children of Israel were a people in whom there was no faith. We're talking about they were not faithful. And then in the book of Habakkuk, when it said that the just should live by faith. And that word is really faithfulness. And the word is a derivative of the word uh, among. With the Bible says, Abraham, Abraham among the Lord. And it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Well, the word that they used in the Hebrew were derivatives of that word amon. Amen. Right? They only, faith, uh, the word faith only took shape in the New Testament. Once the Greek thinking got involved, not distorting anything, but the Christian began to explain some things about God using Greek uh, thought. Okay? And I'm going to leave it right there. But listen to this. Uh, he laid out uh, that based on that thesis, Paul began by showing that the Gentiles and the Jews were all one community. They all, but all, they all fall into the same category of the unrighteous. Showing that the Gentiles through their uh, idol worship, which which uh, was just rampant among the Gentile nation, idol worship. They uh, built idols, and they, uh, a lot of times they felt that, that, the, that the God, when they were worshipped, they felt that the God would take, uh, take up residence in that idol, and they would worship uh, using those idols. If not all Gentile nations, which were uh, uh, in existence at that time, so I'm not going to say all, but many of them, he sought to sober up the high-minded Jews. Now, he told the Gentiles, you all were in idol worship. Nobody knew God, so you were unrighteous. 
Listen to this. He sought to sober up the, the, the high mind of the Jews by pointing out their inability to keep the Mosaic law. He referred to the passage in Psalm 14, there is none righteous, no, not one. Now, somebody might say, well, he wasn't talking to me. He was talking to that, you know, my neighbor. No, no, no. Listen to what Paul said. To, to counter that, because he knew that somebody might say that, he said, for we know what several thing the law says. It says to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. The Gentiles can't say anything. They've been hushed. The Jews can't see anything, they've been hushed, okay? Because they can't keep the Mosaic law. Well, uh, God gave them the sacrificial system. Do you think that was supposed to go from, from now on? That, that, think about it. Think about it. Eventually, there have been a shortage of animals once everybody would start doing it, okay? So that had to be a foreshadowing of something that was to come, Right? The fact that, that, that they had the sacrificial system was, was, was just proof that they couldn't keep it. If I could keep the law, I don't need the sacrificial system. But the fact that I have to have the sacrificial system means I can't keep the law. So Paul told them that you can't keep it. And he said, for it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. They have all gone astray. So the Gentiles as well as the Jews. He continued his argument in the third chapter, verse 27, verse, third chapter, verse 21, through the fifth chapter, verse 21, stating that God has provided a way for humanity to be justified through and by faith in Christ Jesus, eliminating the pride for boasting. Where is boasting? It is eliminated by what law? Of work, uh, you know, of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Now, we struggle with that. But this is, the, this is the doctrine God gave the Apostle Paul. It was all done in Christ Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law for you and I. He lived for us, and he died for us. He done what no other man could do. He fulfilled God's righteous, the righteous requirements, of the law, and he died unjustly or unjustly. There, there was no reason. Pilate, three times I saw last night, Pilate come back and said, I find no fault in him. Wow. You know, and that has revelation. I can't get into it. It had revelation in and of itself because they had to inspect the sacrifice before it could meet. The criteria of being sacrificed, they had inspected. Well, Pilate was inspected. The, the, the high priest had gotten off their game, and they, uh, you know, because of their, uh, you know, self-righteousness, they had said, something wrong with this man. <laughs> and they were saying, kill him. Pilate said, I don't find nothing. I don't find nothing in him. I don't find nothing wrong with him. Okay, so he, he, uh, uh, he showed from the third, from the, uh, verse uh, chapter 3, verse 21, to the fifth chapter, verse 21, that God has provided a way for all, both Jew and Gentile, to come unto him through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the sacrificial offering of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he got rid of any boasting. He got rid of any nationalist ideology. I'm better than you. The Jews are not better than anybody else. 
God loved all humanity. The Jews are the descendants, the natural descendants of Abraham. But you and I, we are the promised seed. We become one with Christ. And therefore, everything that belonged to Christ now belongs to us. And let me just say this in, 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 in moving. Is Christ defeated? No. Do Christ have demon problems? No. Devil, devil, he's not going to mess with you. Matter of fact, he trembled. They trembled. They trembled before Jesus went to the cross. When Jesus encountered them, when he was in his earth walk, when he encountered them, the Bible said they were shaken. Oh, you come to this. We know who you are. Oh, you come to destroy us before the time. And people don't, yeah, 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 you're right. They got a lot of revelation as well. Are oh, you coming to, to destroy us before the time? And so they were shaken. The Bible says that they believe in God and they tremble. Now, in the sixth chapter, through the eighth chapter, in the third and ninth verse of the eighth chapter, he argued that believers are free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death, which is in our members, the sinful disposition. And, they, and, 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 and it was a law. It was a law. He said, I then find another law, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, which is the law of sin and death. But it war against the law of your mind. What's the law of your mind? The Ten Commandments. You have, thou should not. You know you, know you shouldn't. But the law... The word of God, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Don't y'all know, let me say this. Don't y'all know that all of the Mosaic law was derived from the Ten Commandments? Yeah, yeah. So it was warring against what you knew. And it still does that to this very day. The sinful disposition. You say the old man is dead. Yeah, but his socks is in the drawer. He ain't totally moved out. He left him there so he can come back, you know. He wants to come back and knock on the door and say, can I come in? And it's up to us whether we let him come in or not. Listen to this. And the reason that being, let me clear this up, the reason that is, is because once we get saved, then don't you know that our soul man is not totally uh, transformed right away. That's over time. So it's what we remember. We remember what we used to do. When we hear certain songs, we remember. You know, I like certain oldies because they make me remember of when I was a young boy. You know, when, when I had no youngins, when I was footloose and fancy free. <laughs> but there are some things that the devil brings back to our minds, and he war against what we know, and he want to bring us into captivity. And let me say this right quick. The Bible tells us that is why we have to cast down imaginations in every high thing that exalts. Either you will cast it down or it's going to bring you down. We have to make a decision. Are we going to continue to let it bring us down or are we going to cast it down? Because I promise you there is some wondering in the wilderness if you make a habit of letting it bring you down. Oh, God, there's a prophecy on my life. Yeah, but you ain't got out the wilderness yet. That promise is for the promised land. 
You ain't got there. Because you you, you're in the wilderness. You're continually going around that mountain. And you are familiar with your environment and you are afraid of change now because the devil has rocked us to sleep. All right. In chapters 12 through chapter 15, verse 13, he, he speaks of the standard of righteousness, holy living in the light of God's grace and mercy upon those who believe, both Jew and Gentile. He concludes the letter in, verses, in chapter 15, uh, 14 through 16, 27 with personal messages and greetings. That's just a synopsis of this epistle. But listen, there is a lot that can be said about the case Paul made in this epistle. But I would like to go back to chapter 5 through 8 and take a closer look at Paul's doctrine concerning the New Testament believers. I will start with what Paul said about the baptized believers uh, in our understanding concerning its meaning. What it means about being baptized. We studied that this week in the uh, adults, uh, uh, what we call in church school. Uh, really, it's what used to be Sunday school. But uh, we studied about that. And Dr. Evans talked about how that the baptism of the New Testament believer is like a circumcision in the Old Testament. Because Paul said we put off the old man. Huh? Buried with him by baptism and raised. Okay, So we put off the old man and we are resurrected to a new life. It's like a circumcision. That's why baptism was so important. Baptism, uh, uh, if you had no reason why you could not be baptized. Let me put it like that, because the thief on the cross couldn't be baptized. But uh, if you could be baptized, you needed to get baptized. Why? Because it's said to the world that I have entered into covenant with God, with Christ. That's what it said to the world. So it was like circumcision is to the Old Testament saints. Baptism is like that to the New Testament Testament saints. Paul gets into the, the, the knowing aspect. The knowing aspect. In other words, what do we know? For we know that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Those who know, what do you know? New mindset. This is why the Bible tells us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. That's where the devil wages his battles in our minds. And so if our minds are not renewed, and only you know, to what degree your mind has been renewed. And let me share something with you. Uh, renewing your mind is not just throwing up a lot of knowledge up there. That's not it. A lot of folks have knowledge. I, I was looking at a guy. He is a, uh, a Hebrew Israelite. <laughs> and I'm sitting there looking at this cat, and I was amazed by the guy. Not the doctor. I'm, I don't believe in a doctor. But uh, the guy had a scriptures up here. And his wife was there, poor thing. I felt sorry for her. She, 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 oh, if y'all have to see it. But he'll call out scripture and she'll be trying to get it and get it and get it before you get it. And, and if she mess around and make a mistake, he'll correct her, you know. And sometimes it's a little hard. You say, man, good night. But uh, he had a lot of knowledge up here. So renewing the mind is not, it's not just that. What is it? What is renewing your mind? Well, the Bible said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body to live, a lit, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Okay, now you're talking about a living sacrifice. What happened in the living sacrifice? Some things die, some things are burned up. 
right? So we present our bodies a living sacrifice and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing uh-oh, of your mind that you may prove what is that just, what is that good in the per- in acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, renewing, doesn't matter who does the renewing. If you look through Scripture, there's only one being that does the renewing. It's the Holy Spirit. By the renewing, so you don't renew your mind. You read the Word of God and you practice the Word of God. That's the, that's the clincher. Practice it. The Word of God. If we don't practice the Word of God, our minds will never be renewed. Because the Holy Spirit uh, is not working with what we think. He's working with what the Word of God says. And this is where the rubber meets the road because that's, that is where we go ooch and ouch. What I mean by that, it don't feel good. The Holy Spirit, when he begins to renew our mind, it goes against our flesh. It's contrary, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary to one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. So Satan wants to keep you from walking in the word of God. The Spirit of God is, is, is getting you, uh, 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 is prompting you to walk in the Word of God, irregardless of what happened. James said, be afflicted and mourn. Let your laughter be turned into mourning. Huh? If not, we're going to be what James called dipstikos, double-minded, double-solical. And in other words, you in one day after next. Say one day, don't know if you save the next. That is difficult. And guess what he said about that man? He said, let that man not think that he should receive anything of the Lord. Oh, why my prayer not answered? Could it be that you're double-minded? <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about you. I'm, I'm just talk, I'm talking. I'm talking to the camera. All right, could it be that you were double-minded? Okay, now, uh, listen to this. Now, now Paul gets into the known aspect of the Christian walk as well as, as that which has been imputed unto the believers. We must know beyond a shadow of a doubt not only that Jesus died for us, but that he died, on, I mean, that he died, but that he died on our behalf. Died on our behalf. In other words, when you say that he died on your, on your behalf, you are saying that he took my sin upon himself. I don't have sin. Ooh. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. That's New Testament belief. Now, we have problems with that. But Paul's doctrine was, blessed is the man, and he got it from the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, he said. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. In other words, who is your sin imputed to? Christ. It would not be godly for God to uh, make you pay for something that Jesus already paid for. All he asks us to do is to acknowledge our wrong. That's what he asks us to do. But Jesus paid for it. Mm, My God. The Lord will not impute sin. Hallelujah. He's imputed righteousness unto us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And just like we had nothing to do with what Adam did, we went back there. But Adam fell and everything in Adam fell with him. We were in Adam. 
And there are some things that the Lord decreed when Adam was in his perfect, uh, when he was in his uh, sinless state, the Lord decreed it in Adam. And so it comes down to you and I because it's been decreed. Right? Talking about, you know, that the dust, the, the, from dust you are, from dust you shall return. He said to Adam, but that's all of us. Right, and when Adam fell, and he uh, uh, and, and he had he he received a uh, 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 um, a um, the nature of the enemy, he uh, he joined himself to the enemy. He became one in spirit now with the enemy. He was dead to God. God couldn't get through to Adam spiritually, so he came down in the cool old day and said, Adam, where are you? And Adam, like most men say, it is that woman that you gave me. Uh, I, I, I don't say that. My wife back there. I don't say it. <laughs> he took our place as the condemned. He here it is, our perception in keeping, in keeping with what happened in time and space. What does time and space mean it happened in history? Jesus' death is a historical fact. About that, let me say this. That's why when you talk to the Jehovah's Witness, they can't deny Jesus. They just uh, ascribe something else to him than we do. The Mormons can't deny him. They just ascribe something else. The, the Muslims can't deny him. They just, why? Because it's a historical fact. Listen to this. About 30 years after the resurrection, around the time that Luke wrote the gospel, his gospel in Acts, the Roman historian Cornelius Tacitus recorded this. This is what he said. Christus, the founder of the name Christians, was put to death by Pontius Pilate, a procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius. In historian Joseph, uh, uh, Flavius Josephus, in his Antiquities of the Jews, recorded concerning this account, this is what he said, and I quote, At this time, there was a wise man called Jesus, and his conduct, and his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. Many people among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. But those who uh, had become his disciples did not abandon, abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after the crucifixion and that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets had reported wonders and the tribe of Christians so named after him, has not disappeared until this day, end of quote. Why was that important? First of all, you had two historians, Roman historians, who gave the account of that Jesus existed. That's why they cannot gainsay it. They can't come against it because it happened, okay? They just try to say he wasn't this and he was this, okay? But Jesus existed, and he was crucified, okay? And uh, 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 Josephus said three days, the Christian, three days later, the Christians say they, he appeared to them, right? We ask the question. People say, uh, you know, they were uh, delusional. 
And he asked the question, how can all of them, except John, and they tried to kill him, they bought him in oil, but he wouldn't die. So they put him on the Isle of Patmos. But how all of them died a martyr's death, every last apostle. If it wasn't true, saints, I'm telling you, I promise you, if you read some of the deaths that these individuals had to die, they would have said, wait a minute, I'm lying. I'm lying. None of them said that. Why? Because they knew what they had seen. All right? So it is a historical fact. So if that was the case, then Jesus died for us. And one of the uh, 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 Cappadocian brothers said that, that he did not uh, bear, and I'm paraphrasing it, he didn't redeem. I'm paraphrasing it. In other words, saying if Jesus did not bear our sins, then we're still in sin. But he bore our sins upon himself. So we can rest assured that Christ is risen indeed. And every believer is seen by God as being in him. Every believer, we are now in Christ through faith in the finished work of God. We are now in Christ Jesus. Like we was in Adam, we're in Adam. We renounce the lordship that we had in Adam, which was Satan. I be, you know, I mean, I know a lot of you Koreans when you hear that, but it's true, Right? We are obedient. No, you're, no, no, you're not. Uh, to whom you obey, his service you are to whom you obey. To whoever you are obedient to. And we were not obedient to God, so we were obedient to Satan. But we renounce the lordship of Satan, and we, when we come into the body of Christ, we decree that Christ is Lord. For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, uh, thou shalt be saved. Now, so we renounce uh, our uh, connection with Satan. And now we are one in Christ. Romans 5 says that we have been justified. The Greek word for justified means to render righteous or such as we ought to be. In other words, we are just like we're supposed to be now in God's sight. God sees us just as we're supposed to be. Hallelujah. Now, you get somebody to go off trying to figure out what is that. You're going to give yourself a headache. Just <laughs> accept the fact that now we are just as we're supposed to be in the sight of God. Paul goes on to say, uh, well, he goes on to describe uh, what could be seen as a maturing process. Okay. He talked about who we are in Christ Jesus now. We are in Christ Jesus, but now there is a maturing, pro uh, maturing process. This is where the rubber meets the road, and this is where a lot of Christians get defeated. And that's why I wanted to go back and talk about this. But our thinking, our mindset during the process is extremely important. Questions we must ask ourselves in light of the historical fact uh, and the redemptive realities are, do we see ourselves dead in Christ? Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified. I see myself crucified with Christ. And guess what? You have to see yourself every day. When you get up in the morning, you have to see yourself crucified with Christ. That means your will is no longer just your will. You line your will up with the will of God 
My voice should not hear in the morning. In the morning, should I direct my prayer unto thee and look up. In the morning, we should, if not getting on our knees, at least acknowledge God. And all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We acknowledge God, and we say, Lord, whatever you want me to do today, lead me that way. And we ought to say, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. We ought to pray that. Because many of you, when you go on job, you have to face the evil one. And you want so bad a lot of time to go and dig up that old bucket. That old bucket of cuss. But you have to resist it. They can get on your nerve so bad. <laughs> the second question is, do we see ourselves raised to new life? Do you see yourself raised to new life? Third, do we see ourselves filled with the Holy Spirit? This is the clincher. Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? If the Holy Spirit left right now, would you notice it? If the Holy Spirit left your life right now, would you notice it? And if your answer for that is, I don't know, then born again, baptized believers are at least say, Lord, I want to know that your Holy Spirit is dwelling in me. And guess what? See, listen, saints, it's not going to happen. When we talk about praying and seeking God, it's not going to happen. A lot of times, Maybe he will do it while you're there praying, and bam, you get it. You get the, 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 the witness that the Holy Spirit is living in your life, and he's leading you. You'll get the witness, but not always. You have to continue to seek God about it. Say, Lord, I'm not aware that the Holy Spirit is in me. I'm not sure. I want, if you will, I pray that you would make me aware, make me assured that the Holy Spirit is in me. Why is that important? Because it's the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us. It's the, the Bible says that uh, from whom he did for no, he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. How are we going to be predestined or, or conformed to the image of? By the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, uh, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts and given us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How are we going to see it? By the Holy Spirit. We can't understand Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We can read and get a bunch of knowledge. We can quote scriptures and throw, and throw uh, scriptures at people all day long. And you know what I'm saying? And half the time you throw a scripture, I'm going to be dodging. I mean, if I'm not saved, you throw because I don't believe what you're saying. So... <laughs> <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so the thing is, it's not about quoting a bunch of scriptures at folks. It's having the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, and now you can be effective in witnessing. Without it, you're going to get on people's nerves. Without the Holy Spirit, when you are being harassed by the devil in his imps, you may give in, and you may go to fussing and cussing. Peter knew about Jesus. He walked with Jesus, did he not? He walked with Jesus. Now, before he got baptized with the Holy Spirit, guess what happened? He went to fussing. He went to cussing. I told you 
I don't know him. Don't you know the first time he told a girl, I don't know him, John had sent the girl out there to get him, and Peter was just so nervous that he, I don't know him. <laughs> and to prove I don't know him, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to go cuss him. I'm going to do some stuff that Christians don't do. Christians don't talk like that. So, yeah. So, so you know, you know this LT done that they ain't bother no more. <laughs> they didn't bother me no more after that, you know. <laughs> so a lot of times we can lose our testimony when we lose our cool. You don't just lose your cool, you lose your testimony. And then the next time they, you know, they having a potluck dinner at work and they want to get somebody to pray, they're gonna look over you. <laughs> okay, Romans eight sixteen says the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits, with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit witnessing to your spirit. How you know He's witnessing when He's leading you, and now when you are studying the Word of God, He He, he He's tying loose ends together. You are now beginning to see, as you are engaged with people who know a little more than you know in the scriptures, uh, uh, now when you're by yourself, the Holy Spirit is not tying new sins together. Now you're beginning to see it for yourself. That's the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about you going out and grabbing some kind of teaching out there and you uh, are taking it, and that's called uh, uh, nationalistic. When you go and grab something that was not in the time of the Bible and put it in Scripture, you're reading into Scripture. Now, you ask yourself, can you honestly say that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the dynamic love of God is being shared abroad in your heart? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit shares the love of God abroad in our heart. Can you honestly say that this, the Holy Spirit is dynamically is spreading the dynamic love of God. Dynamic means that it's constantly growing. It's growing. It's growing. I'm, I'm, I, 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 I love more today than I did last year. I love God more today than I did last year. I love my brothers and sisters more today than I did last year. You know what I'm saying? Because the Holy Spirit is constantly pouring the love of God abroad in my heart. But don't you know where Paul said that the love of God is shared abroad in your, in your heart? He said, ah, I ain't going to get the hold up. I get there in a second. I get there in a second. The scripture indicates that this happens through tribulation, which develops patience or steadfastness in us. Patience or steadfastness. The word for patience is steadfastness. Steadfastness works what is, uh, the Bible says is experienced or approved character. So it is the tribulation that we endure that develops in us, steadfastness. Steadfastness develop in us character, the character of God. See, we're talking about looking like God. That's how you look like God, not with the uh, long dress you got on, not with the bonnet on your head or anything like that. You don't like God because you can have that on and still be mean. <laughs> still not pray for the lost, you know. Steadfastness, the character of God, and the, the approved character, and it produces the expectation. What we are expecting from God, that's how it comes. It comes through tribulation, work of patience, patience, work of experience. 
or the expectation. So why we don't receive from God? Don't you know that the apostle James was, uh, and I found this out through study, I found out, they called James Camelnese. Do you know why they called him Camelnese? Because he prayed all the time. And his knees were sagging. John the Apostle, the one that they wrote the epistle. So if anyone could tell you why your prayers ain't answered, it ought to be James. James said, you, 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 you ask, you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask with evil intentions to consume it upon your lust. If anybody can tell you about prayer, James ought to be able to tell you about prayer. He talked about how that, uh, you know, the, 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 the prayer of the saints are uh, answered when we not uh, ask in a, with even intentions. Well, when we are going through and we are praying to God and God is hearing us because this is going to happen, saints. In the world, you should have tribulation. But be of good cheer, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. So tribulation worketh patience, right? Or character, steadfastness. And, then, and steadfastness worketh approved character. In other words, now we are who uh, we are representing God in the earth as God ought to be represented. Many are experiencing defeat more than they are experiencing victory in Christ. Talking about Christians. By faith, we acknowledge ourselves to be united with him in the likeness of his death, which is a prerequisite to seeing ourselves raised with him in life. So in other words, for us to see ourselves raised with him in life, we've got to first see ourselves dead with him. So that means saying so every day you've got to see yourself dead because it's not like, well, I got saved, I saw it. Good. Now, do you still see yourself dead to him? Okay. So we have to see ourselves every day dead in him. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross daily. And follow me. Paul said, he told the Corinthians in the fifth chapter, in 15th chapter, verse 31, he, uh, when he talked about the resurrection, he said that uh, he protests based on their rejo uh, rejoicing. He said, for in Christ Jesus, I die daily. It has to be a daily decision that we make to die in Christ Jesus. Jesus said that those who wish to follow him and just said, he said, let them deny themselves, virtually die to their will, Every minute of the day, we find ourselves placed in the posture of victory in Christ, which is the gift of grace. The question may have, uh, uh, many have, is how do I live out this victory? I have the victory. We sang the song, we have the victory, we have the victory. You know, we, we, we are saying about victory. You wonder how many of them that are singing really are experiencing victory. How do I live that life that, that live such a way that it can be manifested through my life? We all want to be victorious because we are, but we want it to be manifested in real time. Paul established that we have the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He prayed in, in 2 Thessalonians this this, that God would make the saints worthy of his calling and fulfill every desire to do good in the work of faith with power. Uh-oh, what did you say? He prayed that God will fulfill every good intention and every work of faith with power. That means if there's no work of faith, God will have nothing to feel. If your intentions are not right, God got nothing to feel. 
But Paul prayed that God would fulfill every good intention and he would fulfill every work of faith with power. So that means if I want to, want to walk in victory, if I want to be victorious, I got to walk in victory. Yes, what I'm saying? When I take the faith walk in victory, then God gives the power. But I got to first make the step to take to your... In other words, if the Bible says thou shalt not steal, I have to make the conscious effort not to steal. If I used to be a person who stole stuff, sticky fingers, if I had that habit and I'm tempted now, I have to resist it. And over a period of time, as we mature, it's going to become easier for me to resist it. I heard a woman uh, speaking online uh, not too long ago, and she said something. I said, man, that is so true. She talked about certain things that people uh, have to deal with, certain habits and things of this sort. You know, and she said that when we walk in the Word of God, she said, it don't mean that you'll never be tempted with that thing again. She said, it could be that you will have to deal with that temptation for the rest of your life, but it should get easier, but it's still there. You have it underfoot. You have it underfoot, but guess what? If you move your foot just a little bit, it's going to get back up. You understand what I'm saying? So the thing is, is that since we have to ask ourselves, you know, is I'm, am I putting forth the faith so God can fill it with this power? This is this. In Philippians 2.13, Paul wrote, It is God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So if we have, if God give us the willingness, right? My God, look at this. Both to give us the willingness and the ability to do of his good pleasure. Right? We are victorious in Christ Jesus positionally but how about practically? How about in everyday, real-time life are we living as victorious Christians? Like I said, Paul said that he was crucified with Christ, right? And he said, but nevertheless I live. But listen to what he said. Nevertheless, he said, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of, of the Son of God who, who loved me and gave himself for me. By the faith of the Son of God. What do you mean? I live by the faith that Christ has already fulfilled that. I live by the faith that if I ask God and I am walking in obedience to him, he's going to fill it with power. He's going to fill my intentions, my desire. He's going to fill it with power. Fulfill it with power. Now, listen to this. This uh, information is important because of the sinful disposition that is yet present. This is, a, this is the evil that Paul was speaking of in Romans, the seventh chapter. An evil much like Amalek, back in Exodus, the 17th chapter. Amalek was the first enemy Israel encountered when they came out of Egypt. It must be noted that Amalek attacked Israel. Israel did not attack Amalek. Much like the flesh. Uh, in, in our biblical uh, um, uh, interpretation, Amalek is symbolic of the flesh. Think about it. The flesh, you get saved, that flesh is the first thing you're going to have to deal with. 
the first, first enemy you're going to have to deal with. Like Amalek came out. It is interesting uh, a thing about the battle. Israel found itself in a tussle with this enemy. Listen to this. The Bible, the biblical interpretation, like I said, of Amalek is, uh, is typical of the flesh. Paul said in Galatians 5.17 that the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These two are fighting against one another for control that you would not be able to do the things that you want to do. Let's follow what appears to be Paul's thoughts from the, left, from the latter part of chapter 6 of Romans uh, into chapter 7. In the latter part of chapter 6, he wrote and he talked talk concerning the, uh, the, the, uh, the importance of not yielding our members as instruments of unrighteousness, but making a conscious effort to yield them unto God. In other words, your hands. What do your hands do? Your feet. Where do your feet go? You know what I'm saying? Here he continued, uh, uh, we continue to see that it is a decision that we must make every day. What will we do when I'm tempted and Satan knows what buttons to push? You have to make the decision. What will be your response? Will you respond as the word of God says so that God can add the power to it? Or will you respond fleshly and there is no power? You left out there on your own. And the more you do it, the harder it gets to unroot, uproot. In other words, if we continue to do it, it begins to become a stronghold that Bishop was talking about not too long ago. He talked about the stronghold, but the strongholds are developed when we continue to walk in ways that is contrary to the ways of God. It becomes a stronghold, and it becomes harder for us to deal with. Here we continue to see the decision that we must make every day. In the seventh chapter, we gain a clear picture of how Amalek, the flesh, and Amalek is like the flesh. He reminded the saints of their new intimate union with Christ, but he stated, that the knowledge of the Ten Commandments of the Decalogue antagonized the sinful disposition. In other words, uh, Paul said uh, uh, in Romans 7 chapter, he said, for that that I do, I don't understand. For what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Now, if I do that that I would not, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Right? And we all go through that. For that I would do. I don't find the strength. I, I don't see the strength to do it. That's why Paul said, after he said, oh, wretched man that I am. And let me give you the picture that he painted right there. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The Romans had a method of, 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 of uh, killing someone. If they murdered someone uh, unjustly, they would tie that individual face to face with that dead body. And you walk around with that dead body, and as that body began to decay, you got all kinds of sicknesses and disease from that decaying flesh. Oh, wretched man that I am, who should deliver, deliver me from the body of this death? I thank my God through my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. For the Lord, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin. For the law of the spirit of life, no longer the, the, the law of, uh, of, uh, of the spirit of, of uh, uh, sin and death. Now it's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and it makes me 
free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his son in the likeness of sin the flesh, in as a sin offering, condemned sin in the flesh. That the, righteousness, uh, uh, that the righteousness may be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after the flesh? In other words, we make a conscious decision. It's fulfilled in those who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What do the life and peace manifest into the real time right away? Not necessarily. Uh, not, not necessarily. Because there's going to be some time to test it. There's going to be some time of character development that we have to go through because our character is not there yet. And God knows that it's not there yet. So he allows us to go through some things. Peter said that there is a, 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 a testing and trying. He said, if need be, if God see that it's needed, he would allow it. Hmm, my God. You know, this Bible ties together. Uh, it's almost like the uh, 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 vacuum system in the human body and how one vein ties into another and it enables your blood to be able to flow all over your body. This is where the scripture is. And so when you start tying things together, then the Holy Spirit begins to tie other things together. And that's how uh, a lot of times you end up preaching a lot of the scripture that I'm calling is not in my, uh, on the paper here. He thanked God that through Christ Jesus, there is no longer any condemnation. He was dealing with the person in Romans, the seventh chapter, was dealing with an intense condemnation. Why? Because he knew what to do, and he didn't do it. So he was feeling condemned. The Bible said that God is greater than our hearts, and if our hearts condemn dim us, God is greater than our hearts. He knoweth all things. So if we're feeling condemned in our hearts, guess what? You can't have faith. You're going to live a defeated life. Right? So in other words, he was, this guy was dealing with intense condemnation. Romans 8 said the key to victorious living is because the new law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, frees the believer from the law of sin and death. God condemned the sinful disposition, rendering, rendering it Powerless. Powerless. So it's still there. It's just powerless now. It don't have the power to rule. That's why Paul said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you shall obey it in the, in the lust thereof. Because you can still sin if you want to. Oh, you can. You can. We can make a decision to sin. Everybody can. You do what you want to do with your bad self. You know, I'm grown. Yeah, go ahead. You can do what you want to do. God has given us that right. We can live as if he don't exist. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. How do you know he's a fool? Well, based on the way he acts, based on, based on what he do, he's a fool. And he said in his heart that there is no God. Okay, now, there's no longer, we, we no longer walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. The spirit arises. The question arises, however, uh, how do we walk according to the spirit? It all comes down to the way we think. Paul said if we focus our minds on fleshly gratifications, we will not enjoy the life of the spirit that God desires to impart unto us. Right? James said it like this. 
Now, God imparted life unto us, but the one thing, one of the issues that we have, and that's why I'm here today, one of the issues we have is thinking that I get all I'm supposed to get when I leave the altar. That's not true. Paul said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. That's not in the sweet by and by. That's in the here and now. The crown of life. God uh, uh, giving you, imparting life unto you. Jesus said, I have come that they may have a life and have it more abundantly. That is something that can be imparted to our lives every day. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. But when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life. God imparts life unto us. So we start asking for more of the Holy Spirit. That's how we get him. <laughs> resist the temptation. When we resist the temptation, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. When Jesus was in the wilderness, the Bible said that once the enemy had tempted him, that after the enemy left, the angels came and ministered to him. God allowed him to be tested, but he comforted him afterwards. See, a lot, see, a lot of times we see God differently. We think that he ain't going to allow us to go through it. And a lot of times he allows us to go through it, but he's going to comfort us after it's done if we endure temptation. Because if you don't endure, endure, uh, 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 endure temptation, you're not, you're not wore out. If you're not wore out. I mean, you know, you might be feeling condemned. And the only thing God can do for that is forgive you. But guess what? You all know in school, if you don't pass the test, guess what? You got to take it again. I remember hearing a, a preacher, and I'm closing. I remember hearing a preacher say this. He said, in life, there are, uh, there are no failures, there are only lessons. He said that uh, one thing is for sure that we all will learn lessons. He said that lessons that are not learned must be repeated. And we know that we have learned our lesson when our conduct changes. In life, there's going to be lessons. God is a teacher. And he's instructing us. Okay, so first and foremost, we must set our minds on spiritual things of God in Christ. Paul wrote in, the, uh, in Colossians, the third chapter, verse 1 through 3, and I'm closing. Since you have been raised to, uh, uh, to new life in Christ Jesus, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits um, in the place of honor at, the, at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In clothing, victory belongs to the believer because of Jesus. But the experience of victory does not happen without a struggle against the flesh. Just remember, the victory involves our being developed and matured spiritually. That's where the victory comes in. It comes through knowing that we are going to be developed, knowing that when God sins or when he allows temptation to happen, it happens for a reason. Nothing happens without a purpose. So in order, in order for us to be what the Apostle Paul said, we are dead with Christ, but now we are raised to a life of victory, victorious living. 
we got to realize that there are some times of development that we have to go through in order to enjoy the victory. How many of you can really say that you want to see the, the, the grace and the glory of God for your life manifested in real time? Yeah, yeah. Everybody does. Everybody, nobody wants to die with their work undone. Nobody wants to die and realize that they were never, they never uh, matured to the person that God wanted them to be in Christ Jesus. Think about how you, what you going to tell Jesus? What you going to tell him? Because see, right now, what we've done to make people feel comfortable, we, we put everybody in heaven. Somebody died, we say rest in heaven. They could have been the biggest devil. And we put rest in heaven. <laughs> so everybody in heaven now. But we all realize that when we meet Christ, we're going to have to answer. And if we don't allow ourselves to be mature, so that God can work on us, that he can do what he wants to do through us, what will we tell Jesus when we meet him? And guess what? Tomorrow is not promised. So now is the time. Today is the time to make the decision that I'm going to be obedient to God. Whatever the Lord wants me to do, even when I don't understand it. You think Abraham understood when the Lord told him, sacrifice your son, and then he like he just, just, just made it worse. Say your only son. The Lord might ask for that thing that's dear to us. What are you going to say? When he asks you to sacrifice that dear thing, what are you going to do? Because you don't understand. It don't make sense. That's the devil. No, it's the God. He's asking for that thing. What are you going to do? And the blessing is after your obedience is completed because after Abraham done what God told him to do, the Lord said, no, I know. And he told him that the earth or the whole world would be blessed through him. So I want to open the altar today. You ain't got to come up to the altar, but just pray at your seat. Open the altar today for anyone who says that I have not really made that quality decision to be obedient to Christ. And I'm going to make a decision today to be obedient to Christ. Some things I've been resisting because it didn't make sense to me. I thought it couldn't be God. Guess what? God is not going to allow you to go through anything that's going to destroy you. So, listen, ask anybody to get that place in your mind. Go back to what God has prophesied over your life. Go back to that. And say, I want to see this come to fruition in my life. But it comes through obedience. So we're going to pray today that God will restore us and give us a new beginning. Give us a new start. So we can do what the Lord has asked us to do. Let us pray. Father God, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We thank you, Father God, for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he bore our sins in his body, made us victorious in him. We thank you, Father, that our heaven is in our future. But we ask in Jesus' name, Father, that you would give us the grace, give us the strength. May it be manifested in our lives. It belongs to us, but we ask that you would manifest it in our lives that we may glorify you in the earth. 
when tested, oh God, when, 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 when allowed to go through trials, we ask, oh God, that you would uh, strengthen us with might by your spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, oh God, with all saints and understand, oh God, in a deeper way, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of your love. Knowing that you love us, even though we don't always understand what's, what's happening. We don't understand why we have to go through these things. But, Father God, we know that you would not destroy us. So I pray over everyone today, oh God, under the sound of my voice. I pray, Father, your blessings upon their lives. Those that need a fresh start, Father, we ask for a fresh start. Those that need a renewing of the Holy Spirit, we ask for a renewing, a refreshing of the Holy Spirit in their lives that they may know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are saved and being led of the Holy Spirit. Father God, we just ask in Jesus' name that anyone that is not saved today, that you will save them. If they have now seen, if the Holy Spirit has enlightened their understanding, then now they see that you died for them. They, 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 they see in a measure, but we ask, oh God, that you would bless them right now where they are. And anyone that wants to be saved, we ask that you would repeat with me, Father God, I thank you that you have died in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you died for my sins. My sins were cast upon Christ and he bore them. He died in my place. But you raised him, oh God, on the third day to victory. And you now see me in Christ. I acknowledge Jesus is raised from the dead. He is Lord. I call him Lord. And I, oh God, confess or profess my faith in him. Receive me, Lord, as your child. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. 
If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.